god. I'm spent. Spent already? Yeah, man. Just Space Jam take that out of me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I'm I'm ready. Ready for this. What what this will be a, the up the exact opposite <laughs> episode. Yeah. The exact opposite enthusiasm is gonna be put into this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But hey, you know, <laughs> starting off this episode with a little patreon plug you know little if, plug. if you want to hear our opinions on space jam a new legacy new um, from the, the new, new pod charles cinecast <laughs> head over to patreon.com forward slash the pcc podcast where you can find bonus episodes for five dollars or more a month and hey if you're a fucking backer at any at any rate support us at any level you can get episodes just like this a full two days early and it's really two, helpful. Two days. <laughs> it's really helpful when I do stupid stuff like mess up our feed <laughs> and the episode goes out extremely late. Welcome <laughs> to the Pod Charles Cinecast, presented by the Prince Charles Cinema and the Breadcrumbs Collective. This is your host, Jonathan Foster. I'm here each and every week. My little beaten up <laughs> dog, little <laughs> drunk boy, Phil. How's it going? This ain't water. It's ain't water. <laughs> Another fuel. clear, yeah, jet fuel. <laughs> Are you What's doing that trick? Phil? I'm all right. Mm-hmm. Hanging in there. Tired. Just hanging and, and banging. Just hanging and banging. Whatever those. Whatever that means. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm of two minds. I'm exhausted from mm-hmm. work, but you know, um, I'm excited about this episode. This is the one I've been waiting for, and I genuinely really want to hear what you think. And I'm ready to be disappointed. Just in case. <laughs> yeah, I did kind of leave you in that weird state, I think, as well, the other day where I was just like, oh, I watched The Master earlier today, oh, but I'm not yeah. going to say anything. <laughs> oh. Just leave it at that. Just, <laughs> See you on Thursday. Just gonna, yeah, just going <laughs> to drop that. How are you, double jabbed man? Oh, man, my body hates me now. <laughs> You get that first jab of AstraZeneca and I had a really, really bad reaction to it where I was just like fucking dead for a day. And then I get COVID. And (laughs) now I've got my second jab. And Jesus, I am a super soldier. But yeah, um, Captain America, bitch. Dude, my arm, I'm in the hurt arm club like you were last week. Yeah, you look so buff right now. (laughs) Arm hurts. (laughs) Although it was probably because... Julia doesn't know how to properly do like uh like she she just can't do sit-ups and stuff and she was pretending like she was doing sit-ups and I was like pulling her back up like mm. from her neck and uh, that probably hurt my arms more because she was putting her weight into it and then like, it was basically like me doing curls and she was like yeah this is this is totally yeah I'm sure this is doing wonders for my stomach <laughs> I'm like <laughs> yeah yeah I'll leave that in Julia. <laughs> um Enjoy. yeah geez i'm i'm okay otherwise though yeah. um got some fun things coming up at the cinema fun films like pig who took nick cage's pig who took that pig we're gonna find out do you guys want a bonus episode of pig let us know because i might get petros over um phil nice. and, I and petros could just do i'm a, gonna watch it a little I'm definitely gonna a watch pig it. a pig episode pig cast yeah and it will be a pig cast invades a pig off invade. <laughs> Sweet. It could, yeah, it could be a fucking bay of pigs over here. 
<laughs> Probably won't call it that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Bay's pigs. <laughs> yeah, but we got Zola coming, which is cool. Mad excited yeah. for that. Bro. And listen, I know we haven't been talking about all the shit going on at the cinema because we've been literally talking about films that are playing every week at the cinema. <laughs> but yeah, come to the cinema to watch all these Wes Anderson and Paul Thomas Anderson films because they keep getting added back into the program. They do, like, yeah. If you, you missed one, yeah, if you it's missed coming that, back. Because there's like a there's a master screening, I think, which I think is probably after. It'll probably be before this episode goes out. But there's another There Will Be Blood, I think, in September. There's, mm. uh, I believe, three 70 millimeter performances of Phantom Thread. There's another performance of uh, The Life Aquatic of Steve Zissou got re added into the program. Mm. Arjun yeah. Limited got added again. So there's like a little bits and pieces just popping in there. So if you want to see any of the films on the big screen that we've been talking about over the last several weeks, yeah. CharlesCinema.com. I like to think it was because of this podcast. Yeah, keeping the People were listening to the episode and they're like, fuck. I gotta go watch it. Mm-hmm. Selling out the screening. Now we gotta add more. We should get a cut. Yeah, we should get a cut. <laughs> I, I, I gotta say, I appreciate all the people out there who've been, hey, joining the competitions for the Criterion films on the West Anderson yes. episodes by actually emailing in. I had another new person pop in that I've never heard from before. And I hope oh, they're nice. listening and they're enjoying um, each and every week. Uh, a listener by the name of Leah or Leah. Um, so I appreciate you listening. So thank hey. you. And um, you're no. gonna win. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I did reply back. We don't have one like, this week, but there's a yeah. pretty good chance you're you're gonna win if you email in. You have a higher chance because let's say I do something like this. I give people who email in like if I if I put them up against all the people who are on social media entering the competitions and stuff. I'm going to give them like 10 entries per every one on social media. So they have a greater chance of winning. You know? There you go. That's yeah. fair, and right? Because you're a listener. If you're a listener, I mean, listen, listen yeah. to the it, opening of the podcast and just send an email. Win our out. podcast could do what the fuck we want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Long-time listener Claire benefited from that because she got there a, you higher, go. a higher amount of entries and won the Royal Tenenbaums. So, yeah. Exactly. There you go. Uh, yeah. So, Phil, we're now in our tenth week. Holy shit! Fucking ten hell. Week. How many do we have left, dude? Ten. 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 Perfect. Perfect. perfect ten. ten. <laughs> for a film that is, uh, you know, a perfect, perfect ten. Perfect is kind of similar to like, you know, master. Um, <laughs> we're in the tenth week of this ongoing arc, pitting the films of Wes Anderson. And Paul Thomas Anderson against each other, and we're becoming virtuosos of these two directors' crafts. Phil, you know what time it is. It's time for Anderson versus Anderson. Anderson. Ring a ding ding. <laughs> As you can see, we've had our eye on you for some time now, Mr. Anderson. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Let's get ready to rumble. Actually, I shouldn't say that. We'll get food. <laughs> Last week, Phil and I found ourselves in a lot of family drama on a spiritual journey 
aboard Wes Anderson's The Darjeeling Limited. And now, not entirely fulfilled <laughs> in our journey to find our purpose, we step back into a time machine. And we're set to go to post-war America and find ourselves stowaways upon a ship belonging to a man named Lancaster Dodd. There, he will show us his new book and his spiritual movement called The Calls. We're going clear this week, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and we're Paul doing Thomas it. Anderson's sixth feature that is titled What, Bill? The Master. The master of disaster, the king of sting. <laughs> what I is forget. That? What is that? That's uh, Apollo Creed. Yeah, that's right. It's like, okay. you, it's like you got enough nickname. Well, don't worry, I'm almost done. <laughs> there will be people on the outside who will not understand the condition you men have. Now, upon your shoulders rests the responsibility of a post-war world. And smile. You can start a business. Filling station, grocery, or hardware store. Get a few acres of land and raise some chickens. You have a break coming? Ten minutes. If the average civilian had been through the same stresses that you have been through, undoubtedly, they too would have developed the same nervous condition. You must understand. You want to get the lake back. How'd I get down here? You're acting aggressive because you drink too much alcohol. What do you do? I am a writer, a doctor, a nuclear physicist, a theoretical philosopher. But above all, I am a man, just like you. <laughs> He's been writing all night. You seem to inspire something in him. What we will do now will urge you toward existence within a group, a society, a family. Good science, by definition, allows for more than one opinion. Otherwise, you merely have the will of one man, which is the basis of cult. And this is where we are at. To have to explain ourselves. For what? The only way to defend ourselves is to attack. You know, you should wake up, Val. Your father's speaking. You might learn something. He's making all this up as he goes along. You don't see that? I wonder how he got here and what he's after. Is it really all so easy that he just came across us? You are an everlasting spirit, Freddy. I don't believe you. You make this up. I, you just, I know you're trying to calm me down, but just say something that's true! Are you thoughtless in your remarks? Do your past failures bother you? Is your life a struggle? Is your behavior erratic? What are you running from? He's dangerous. And he will be our undoing if we continue to have him here. If we are not helping him, then it is we who have failed him. Perhaps he's past help. Or insane. Freddy Quill, Joaquin Phoenix, is a troubled, boozy drifter struggling with the trauma of World War II and whatever inner demons ruled his life before that. On a fateful night in 1950, Freddie boards a passing boat and meets Lancaster Dodd, played by Philip Seymour Hoffman. This sounds a lot like what we're doing for this episode, Phil. I don't really get how that's always the case. It's like, what the fuck? It's yeah. like they always happen to be exactly the same storylines as what we're doing each week as we're heading into these episodes. I don't get it. I don't get it. 
Lancaster Dodd is the what charismatic the leader of a religious movement called The Cause. Freddie tries hard to adhere to Dodd's weird teachings and forms a close bond with his mentor. Even his other members of Dodd's inner circle see him as a threat. It's the Ooh. 2012 post-war period drama, nearly an epic, written and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. Phil, hot takes out the gate. Let the boy loose. It's the master. Finally. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've, you know, I've not, I've, whatever the opposite of Barry deleted, you know, I've, I think I've said it every week. <laughs> I think people know my feeling towards the master. And I know I said it in his last movie, the master is also, pun intended, mm-hmm. a masterpiece in my eyes i but beyond that i I could give a shit if people hated it like but i think it's a great objectively great american old-timey epic a kind of drama they don't really make anymore but i adore the monster i love everything about it it's some of the best writing acting cinematography unique direction i've ever seen it has this very simple meandering story, kind of like There Will Be Blood, but mm-hmm. one that I find really profound and effective. And it's, you know, I mentioned last time, it was a big part of my like develop development as like a film fan, you know. It was one of the first movies to really challenge me and push the way I see movies the way I thought movies could be. And it's, not only one of my favorite PTA, it's my favorite PTA movie, but one of my favorite movies. It's the top five for me. It's, I think it's one of the greatest movies ever made. I mean, you could say that about There'll Be Blood as well, but like The Master, there's something about The Master. It's, may, it's just somewhat intangible, and maybe it's just a thing like I gravitate more towards a Joaquin Phoenix than a Daniel Day-Lewis. Mm-hmm. And Philip Seymour Hoffman, obviously, because they're both great. And Amy Adams, Jesus Christ, the cast is stacked. But I just... Yeah, there's something intangible about it. I find there's something deeply relatable about this story. And it's such a base, primordial story of a man wanting to be free of everything, of everything that could mean that this film sort of done it, of employment, of government, of marriage, of, you know, any sort of commitment. You know, it's that line between a civilized man and just a caged animal. Yeah, and I thought there will be blood. Did the opposite arc where you saw a man sort of descend into madness, and this one uh, is the opposite. You see a man who's sort of unstable and all over the place, and just just like a mad dog, like running place to place, being chased around, slowly trying to become more, trying to learn about himself. Because that's all that he really gets out of it by the end is that he learns a bit more about himself. Whether or not anyone is different at the end, I don't know. Probably not. I don't really care. I could, Again, that's a PTA thing. There's like a lack of progression because that's yeah. more realistic. Most people don't fucking change, mm-hmm. especially the course of a movie. But no, I'd love, love, love The Master. I think it's a fucking perfect film. I watch it um, anytime the PTC have it on. Because we usually do it seventy downstairs. It's the perfect way to watch it. I try and catch it every time. What about you? Yeah. You're waiting. 
I'm fucking waiting. I'll just like, <laughs> let me just get, if in case I have to like defend the movie, yeah. let me just no. get it all out the way now. You're not going to have to defend the movie. I like the master a lot, but I will say that it's probably not my favorite PTA film that I've seen. Fair enough. But it didn't have to be as long as it wasn't like that sucked. <laughs> I, I think it's one of those films because PTA has this thing where he, he he's like a his his films are slow burners in a way of like they are mm-hmm. slow burners in themselves. <laughs> Not all of them, obviously, like he can fucking pump out a 90 minute great fucking movie. Do that more often, please. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he also has that thing where it's like most of his films though, are like in in this in the course of the film, they're slow and brooding and there's a lot of tension and stuff going mm-hmm. on. Like the master has so much of that, but then there's also that thing where they're slow burners. And the fact that I feel like you have to watch them a few times to really, really like, for sure. Appreciate it. But they're like That's films that you want to watch again. Like for instance, I want to watch again. Yeah. I was, I was more like, cause we'll get to in the next one, particularly with like inherent vice, like he's i don't know were we joking have we said this yet but it's like he's a grower not a shower like you know like he, they <laughs> i think you said that you, i think like, you're right yeah they, they grow do on you, they like, do so i feel like i'd need to watch this a few more times for it to grow on me and maybe it will like i don't yeah. know what it is because you were talking about last last week or sorry not last week the last week, i do this every week or last, last week ago. and it's like it's not last week because <laughs> it was a west anderson film last week but the last uh pta episode with there will be blood. I was talking about how like it didn't need it. It didn't need that. Like it instantly, I fucking loved it the first time I saw it. Yeah, but yeah. I think Mark it's to take the few. I think, but also, I think I had that. But well. you said you had it though, where you saw the master, and it was the same thing. Where it was like the first time you watched it, you loved it. Loved it. it yeah, hit you. yeah. And I think maybe that was just like that. I think that year, two thousand seven, I was like in this state of openness for all the shit that was being thrown at me. I didn't have much else going on in my life. And I was just like, that was the year I think I was most open to movies. And that's probably why I liked that year so much. Mm. But, um, but there were a lot of fucking bangers. That there were. <laughs> <laughs> but the master, like, yeah, I really liked it. I don't know why I had, I don't know. In 2012, I was in a weird period of time where like, I had moved up to Philadelphia and like, I'd, you know, was trying to sort all this shit out with me and Julia, like, you know, mm. long story short, I basically had moved to Philadelphia to like work in a grocery store. Cause I thought like I, and I was getting paid pretty good amount of money and Julia was supposed to come to live with me in Philly. And then we, I hated my job and we like just switched it to me going to London. So I was very busy in my life and I wasn't seeing a lot of mm. films. So I missed this one. And I, just never saw it. And I don't know why, but, and it was one that I always, cause I loved the idea of Scientology and like doing a weird movie that's sort of like slightly sort of, based yeah. on Scientology. We'll get into yeah. that as we go along. But, um, yeah, it's a very interesting story and it's like fucking great performances. Like, <sighs> I don't think shit. there's been a better Joaquin Phoenix and Philip Seymour Hoffman performance. Unless if you want to count like, you know, uh, Along comes Polly because that's you know <laughs> raindrops. <Clap> what the <laughs> fucking great role? That's um, great. Um, um, I love for me this is their top. Yeah, yeah, me too. For me this is them top of their game. Yeah, absolutely. That was, that was a joke, but I do appreciate uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's uh, ability to do great he comedy. He's so yeah. good. Like oh, Dusty and Twister? Shit, dude. Oh, so I love him weird. in that. Yeah. Oh, in uh, Almost Famous. I forget his yeah. character. He's so funny. But anyway, great movie. 
I found this to be a more serviceable serviceable backstory to Joker than uh, what Todd <laughs> Phillips g- gave us. You know, um, Joker fucking wishing it with the mod. <laughs> I know, but that's why I was like, I was watching it, and basically, I don't see how Joaquin Phoenix didn't win an Oscar for this. Yet he I won know. one for the for the Joker, <laughs> and the Joker's yeah. a horrible movie, and this is a really good movie. <laughs> um, he's not he, bad in the Joker. No, that's the thing. But I'm but just saying, he like he's basically the playing the same role as he played in the Joker. I feel like he's <laughs> basically I'm playing this character, Freddie Quill. Ball. Yeah, yeah, and like the backstory is so much better. It feels like it's a supervillain waiting to happen. You know, especially at the beginning, <laughs> because it t- it does take a change. You know, like there is a change later because you start to like you said it's a f- it's a film about a man who's just fucking wild and wants to be free and like he's also meets another man who may or may not have a sexual attraction to him who's like that's like definitely there. definitely yeah. pushing down his latent homosexuality um, for sure and he's like he's he's trying to control him and he's trying to be his master and yeah. he realizes at the end that he can't you can't fucking tame this animal he is not a dog that you can fucking tame he's mm. going to be free because even he doesn't live free. Yeah. He lived under the guide of a master. He lived. Yeah. I mean, it's his wife, it's Amy Adams. Clearly, yeah. she's just always in the corner there. Clearly, have her strings on everything, yeah. pulling the strings and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But like, also to the congregation, mm-hmm. to constantly question everything he does. Yeah, especially at the ends, because like the scene. Yeah, like, where he like yelled at Laura Dern, and yeah, like, there's like Laura Dern and Amy Adams are in this film, and. I, I I dock points I think a little bit because I felt like they could have done a little bit more. Mm, Amy, Amy Adams did enough. Laura Dern yeah. did fuck on this film really, except for <laughs> question him. Um, and that scene's great, and he and it means a lot because he like flips out on her, and it's the whole thing of he realizes that he doesn't even believe his bullshit anymore. You know, like, it handles it really fucking well. Like I know a lot of people will refer to this as the Scientology movie, and I think that's doing this movie a disservice. Yeah. But that is there. That's a big part of it, and it's handled really fucking well and really interestingly. And given, I mean, he gives L. Ron Hubbard more. I mean, it's not L. Ron Hubbard, but Lancaster Dodd is somewhat based mm-hmm. on him. Um, he gives that character more empathy than I'd ever have could everyone have been seemed to be just a fucking con man whereas like philip Seymour Hoffman's character i believe at one point genuinely had good intentions and had gone completely over its head and it's just making it up as he goes along now. yeah i mean it's just like getting obsessed with the power and the glory you know exactly yeah. you get addicted to that and then you have to keep delivering it and it just yeah but at, at one point i i can especially in the 50s you don't you know mental health wasn't taken seriously like that's a big reason why they meet you know and Scientology has it you know roots in early psychotherapy psychoanalysis and so like you get Freddie Quill who's like a shell shock trooper shell shocked boy that's what we were going to call ourselves <laughs> yeah we forgot yeah fuck <laughs> shit you know yeah he's like a navy yeah he's like a navy veteran clearly suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder and yeah. fucking alcoholism and a host of other things i mean and so and nobody's fucking helping him mm-hmm. you know they they just they give him that speech at the beginning which is great which is just like oh you won't be accepted blah 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 people may be f- afraid of you 
It's just you're going to have a tough time out in the real world now, adjusting back into real life. And that's it. It's like on your fucking way. And, you know, he manages to, he gets drawn toward Lancaster Dud or he fucking hops onto his boat. And here's the guy who can help him, maybe not in the best way because, you know, that kind of therapy is in the long run quite harmful. Yeah. It's very intense and very invasive. Um, but for a moment, he does feel better. So, and it's like, and then he gets hooked on that moment. You know, like that processing scene is one of the best scenes I've ever seen in a movie. Like when he's just, you know, the holding, keeping your eyes open and he's asking him questions. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you, you know, you sit there and you watch it and you do it with him and you're like crying by the end of it. And it's like, it's so real, so intense. He's like, so violent with himself and it's the modest way to get like all your exposition out in one scene as well but like you get all of Freddy's backstory like in the simplest way he lets you just ask him like you know who you are who are you where you been that sort of thing yeah but it's crazy emotional it's a devastating scene I'm sorry I, I, I forgot no, what I was no. going that's the kind of thing with the yeah. master I just go on these long fucking trails it's a weird one because it's also like uh all right, so it's it's one of those things. I I kind of wrote a note that it's like PTA back on his his old shit because it feels like he's got that depravity of like you know boogie nights, you know, just like it's chaos sort of like ensuing throughout this film. Yeah, yeah, you know, and then and then it's like that weird, like more brooding mix of like there will be blood or or it uh, ends the same way. Yeah, there'll be blood. and it's so. <laughs> Like the way like Freddie is especially, but like the ends, the end scenes and stuff, it's like, it's so like ambiguous, you know, like the way, cause we didn't talk about this enough of that ending scene of there will be blood. And I want I did make a note to make sure we like bring it up. Cause I felt this really time. bad not talking about it, but that end scene, the milkshake scene, at the bowling alley. I mean, we talked about it and we talked about how much we loved it. But one thing that I didn't bring up was that it was the thing very similar with like, I was so, always so unsure about like, you know, the character the of Paul and, and Eli, where at the end of the film, it's so ambiguous. Like, does it actually happen? Does he actually like beat the shit out of Eli? Cause Eli's like young looking still. Yeah. And it's years later. Yeah, he hasn't yeah, yeah. aged a day. And I know Paul Dana looks young and I know like, but I mean, you feel like they could have done something. Something changed. Give him a mustache. I, yeah, but it's almost like <laughs> PTA did that on purpose. And it's like, this is very similar. Doubt yourself. There's a lot yeah. of elements in this the, film where it's like. This one more so. Yeah. Because it's like, how did he get to England? You know, you yeah. know, like it's a lot. Yeah. And it's like the phone call. It's like, did that, did that happen? And it's, Yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's a more, it's more up in the air. The end of the film, does Freddy, like, is he actually having sex with this woman? Oh, at the end. Or yeah. is he, like, or is he just actually fucking, like, a sculpture on the beach? You know? Yeah. Also, it's a very, like... But how film, we began. I, I, I mean, like, <laughs> is Freddy an incel? No. That's not he doesn't ever, that. like, really fuck anyone. And he talks well, about... The- he talks about him fucking his aunt. Tired. That's the only time he's actually mentioned that he's actually had sex throughout the film. He had a problem with women, for sure. <laughs> yeah. No, could he hooked up with that girl in the in the department store? And then the girl at the end. 
I feel like he never actually does it. Though. Oh, could he fall asleep? Yeah. He like falls asleep at the beginning and then like, she's like, fuck this shit. And then, you know, and then at the end, it's like, you know, maybe that was Lancaster just on, you know, <laughs> thinking like, oh, he's probably off with this lady, but Freddie's actually just on the fucking beach, like just fucking a sculpture. It's joking. That's off. all he needs. Fair enough. Jerking I mean, he's jerking most- off into the sea. <laughs> <laughs> what a great way to start a movie. Uh, that's what I meant by he was back on his old bullshit. <laughs> like- oh, bullshit. <laughs> I mean, Freddie does spend half the movie asking people if they want to fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like, when they're all listening and he just give them a note. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she doesn't even reply, which is just yeah. so cold. He's just staring at her, like, yeah. all right, oh, I guess I'll fucking work then. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you? <laughs> I'm waiting. All right, Phil, I think we need to get on a level, so I think I'm going to do a really early snack time. We hope it's all right. We know it's not over, but now we're having snack time to maintain status quo. Snack time. Snack time. I'm I'm disappointed in my snack time. What did you do? I it's a out. weird film because like it's a weird what? film, and I thought I, it's too early to drink. I was just gonna do that. Not for you. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, oh, I don't want to have all I have is like gin and vodka, and it's like <laughs> you know, it's like I don't oh, want yeah, a shot of that. Great. Yeah, and I was like, maybe I could mix all the drinks in my house and make like a potion, like fucking Freddie does. <laughs> yeah. But I was like, no, I don't want to make myself feel sick. So we're talking the great sea, <laughs> the ocean, <laughs> the being ocean. on the water. We yeah. see a lot of water. Yeah. But, you know, Freddie's a sailor boy. We're talking sea, we're talking salt, salt water. Mm-hmm. I have oven baked crisp, sea salt flavor. I mean, those it are kind of works, so- right? I, I love those walkers. You give it up a pass. I, I I give them a pass because I love those. The baked. Ones I love those great. too. They're so good. Yeah. I've had people tell me they're not good, and I'm like, "Fuck you, they're good." They are fucking good. <laughs> fucking fine. They taste healthier as well. So they like, do. They're light and fluffy. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, Phil, tell me if we have something better. I was looking <laughs> around, and I'm like, "What should I do for the master?" And I know you said, "Hey, why don't you bring those Swedish fish, like you know, on for the master episode?" But I ate them all, like I said. Mm. Whatever, fuck them. I'm not even gonna rate it. <laughs> so I'm hunting. I'm like hunting for a snack for the master. I'm hunting master, master, hunter. Get there, hunter, master, hunter, hunter, master. In Germany, there is a. Uh, <laughs> liqueur, because this film is nothing but booze. Uh huh. Um, liqueur. It translates to Master Hunter, and that is Jägermeister. Oh, Jägermeister. I got a little two centiliter thing of Jägermeister, 35%. What the fuck um, are you going to do with that? And also, just going to look at it. He's, he's making a lot of like jet fuel sort of things basically taking like torpedo oil and shit and just like you know mixing it with uh 
fruit juice and stuff. Fruit? So yeah, got a little bit of orange juice. A little Jägermeister. Do the whole thing. A little. <laughs> that sounded amazing. You gotta chug it, man. You gotta Jager bomb this shit. Put some Red Bull in there. Did it change the color? Mm-hmm. Oh! Actually, it's pretty good. It's good? Nice. Yeah, I looked online, and I was like, what else can you mix with Jägermeister? And it was like, orange juice. And I was like, great. That'll be good. <laughs> it's actually pretty tasty. Not bad. I'm not the biggest Jägermeister fan. Me neither. Me neither. Not a fan. Um, but actually, in this orange juice, it's pretty good. I think because I've only really had it with either straight, like, or in Jaeger bombs, and Jaeger bombs are disgusting, so... I hate Jaeger bombs. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of it's apparently Jaegermeister is good on the stomach though. It's apparently good for your stomach. So you good know what? Know. You can have a glass of wine for your heart, and you can have a Jaegermeister for your fucking stomach. There you, um, go. you can have a vodka and uh, pomegranate juice for your brain, <laughs> and you're all set. And then just drink yeah. a fucking Bud Light for fun. Yeah, yeah. watch the master. <laughs> watch the, the master fun time. For the fun times. Phil, yeah. How Question many- your sanity. <laughs> <laughs> how many? Uh, how many pamphlets being thrown on the fucking ground <laughs> <laughs> off of people not buying into your cult bullshit? Are you giving your? How many split sabers? How many just split penis, sabers? Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I love the oven baked. I'm a big fan. I mean, sea salt is the most plain flavor. So I think it duck, get ducked a point for that. But That's the best flavor. Sea salt no, and nah. then salt and vinegar. Nah, man. She's an onion. I'm not a big cheese. I'm okay with cheese and onion, but I'm not the biggest cheese and onion fan. I give it a, I give it a four, 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 four uh, pamphlets tossed into the ground, and and you pick yeah. them back up and feel like an idiot because you're a part of a cult. Yeah, I like just take someone to the ground and then I just sit on the bench and we'll look at them. <laughs> um, Weird. That's the guy from There Will Be Blood, right? Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. The brother. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I just when I would watch that, I'm like, oh yeah, he's back. Hmm. I give this a good. I mean, you know, orange juice is Chug great. It. So, chug it. Yeah. Now let's see how the podcast goes. Orange juice is great. So, um, I love OJ. It's even. It's like it tastes mostly like orange juice, so it's gonna get five. We get five pamphlets on the ground. <laughs> Phil, it was reported in December 2009 that PTA was working on a script about the founder of a new religious group that was described as being similar to Scientology and that he be reteaming with Philip Seymour Hoffman to play the leader. But someone close to Paul Thomas Anderson reported that PTA had the idea for around 12 years prior to the release of The Master. And PTA said that the, the idea of the film came to him after reading a quote that periods after wars are productive times for spiritual movements to start. But Phil, that's all well and good, but if you trace back 12 years prior to the master being released... What really happened was... <laughs> a young ETA had just finished working on a movie with Tom Cruise, which would be there called Magnolia. And that came out in 1999. And uh, the year later... He comes up with an idea. Someone tried to be 
sucked into the world of Scientology. And he was like, no, I'll, <laughs> I'll make a movie about it eventually. Yeah. So Tom Cruise, big time Scientologist. Oh, man. Well, we'll get back to Tom Cruise later. Not really sure of which way you'd go with the story. PTA began writing The Master as a collection of contrasting scenes rather than this coherent outline. He combined unused scenes from early drafts of There Will Be Blood, elements to the lives of John Steinbeck and L. Ron Hubbard, as well as elements from Thomas Pynchon's debut novel, which is either five or V. I don't know. Oh, uh, <laughs> Is it V uh, or five? I don't know. I don't know. Because when I read it, I'm just like reading it. it. It's a big V, but that could be five or it could be V. I don't know. It's got a period next to it. But whatever. He's getting into his Thomas Pynchon stage, you know, which obviously yeah. will come back next next time. Uh, and also, he was inspired by stories that Jason Robards told him on the set of Magnolia about his drinking days in the U.S. Navy during World War II, including draining of ethanol from torpedoes and just mixing it with fruit juices. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking dangerous. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't kill a guy. Yeah, he does. By, by accident. Sort of, yeah, it's one of those yeah crazy moonshine things. That's a weird scene. Because he's like it's all, weird. He's all like running from him and shit, and he's just like freaking out, and they're screaming "Boricua, Boricua, Boricua," and that like means Puerto Rican. Oh, really? Yeah, which is weird because Joaquin Phoenix was born it's in not Puerto, Puerto Rican. Rico. He was born really? in Puerto Rico. He's not Puerto Rican, but he, but was, he was born, born in, in Puerto Rico. Interesting. So he's Puerto Rican by the fact that he was born there. If you re- yeah, I mean, if you read the script, um, which I've done, I like did a breakdown for a uni. Um, and it's very different from the movie. Um, but that scene plays. Are you having more Jägermeister? Oh, no. This is. Uh, Jesus Christ. Talisker dude. Sky single, single malt scotch whiskey. I think you have a problem, dude. I have a problem called we're talking about a movie that's about drinking and I'm going to drink through it. I don't and it's have also any... my day off, so fuck it. I don't have any drinks, you know, it makes me feel bad. <laughs> Should I get, I've got a Jack and Coke. Should I have a Jack and Coke? <laughs> Your call, brother. Wait, Nice. Now we're both drinking. Yeah. Me got to, dude. It's a film about drink. Cheers. Cheers. Clink. Clink, (laughs) bitch. (laughs) What were we talking about? Yeah, that scene is very different in the script. The script Mm. more... It suggests more that he did kill the guy. Yeah. You know, consciously or not, I think that the line in the script, in the movie, sorry, in the movie, where he's like, you remind me of my father. He tells him that before he dies. Yeah, right? yeah, he does to the old guy. Yeah, there's more of that. There's mm-hmm. like that. That's a whole conversation, and they end up fighting because of it. And so the implication is that he did give him too much to fucking drink because you know, he wanted to kill him. Yeah, you know, almost wanted to kill him. But it's like it's almost he's not even in control of his faculties at that point. He does it out of like a blind rage. So it's an interesting one. I think the movie played it better. It's more 
ambiguous because I don't think he's out there murdering people. Yeah. <laughs> it's just more he's just fucking wild. Yeah. Yeah. Just an animal. PTA said, I didn't want it to be a biography. It's not the L. Ron Hubbard story. But he did do a lot of research on Dianetics and its earlier followers. So, like, the whole thing of being, you know, post-war, this this movements of, you know, new theories and ideologies and spiritual movements and all that. So, he's, like, looking at the rise of Dianetics and its early, early followers. And you can see how he plays it with this, like, you know... It's not L. Ron Hubbard. It's not Scientology. Close enough, though. But it's close enough, and he can't deny that, like because it is very close enough. It's there. It's yeah. um, but like you know, there's also like they don't really touch on like because like you know Lancaster Dodd. He he's more of a like you, you know he seems to be a, kind of almost calling himself almost like a Renaissance man, and he seems to be kind of like fluffing that. Shit I up a am little. many things. Yeah. I am a doctor. I am a the psychologist the philosopher, know, and, philosopher. Yeah, but bullshit. above all i am a man yeah a hopefully hopelessly inquisitive man yeah and love it which is crazy because he's not <laughs> 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 he's not lancaster dog but like freddie is Freddy. definitely not so he had him pegged not in that way yeah you know i think that was the whole I, thing it's kind of yeah, interesting he just sort of made him into the thing he wanted to see yeah without all the bad that comes with that person mm-hmm. like freddie is sort of free man does what he wants but he's lived a fucking horrible life yeah an empty depressing life living day to day job to job mm-hmm. just trying to he's just surviving yeah more than living but lancaster wants to be free of all of, all of his all the restraints that he's put on yeah. himself yeah and he wants to be free like freddie because he's obviously like a drunkard that wants to fucking drink like crazy as well so. yeah they both want to be each other and they both want to be inside each other. Yeah. Like literally. <laughs> literally no, literally. You're talking about loads, right? <laughs> yeah. They drop it. I'm just fucking dropping loads all yeah. over this place. That's something Mark Marin said when PTA was on his podcast was just like, God, it's just like, what the fuck? Like, why didn't they just fuck? Like the whole movie, I'm watching it, and then you just it would have been better if they fucked. Yeah. But that's the whole kind of point. Yeah. That there's like a definite attraction there whether it be physical or otherwise that yeah. because of their respective time periods and places in the world that they could never fulfill. yeah yeah i mean it's, you got that it's, it's scene sad. where they're rolling around in the fucking ground outside and, i love that yeah when he comes out of jail and then like yeah. soon after i mean like amy adams just like jerks she jerks lancaster off and basically yeah, like says yeah. and you can do whatever you want as yeah. long as I don't find out. Yeah, and she also says like, you know, you need to get those thoughts and it's so like it's like basically Fake. she's saying, you know, you can't you can't be gay. Like, you know, <laughs> it's kind of like it reads that way. Don't be gay while jerking him off. Don't <laughs> yeah. be gay. <laughs> yeah. You ever want this hand to touch your penis again? Don't be gay. So, and it's like, you know, it is that time. It's of that time. It's like, it's hardly acceptable now. And it's so much more acceptable now than it was back then, obviously. But like back then, like the idea of being gay was almost like a just completely ostracized. Everybody was like a fucking Freddie. Like if you were gay, yeah, like it would treat completely. it like a mental illness. Yeah. Anyway. It's just horrible. Well, another big influence for the film was John Houston's 1946 documentary. Let there be light. 
Oh, lovely documentary. It's on the Blu-ray. You can find it online. The whole opening is essentially a recreation of that documentary. Yeah, yeah basically, yeah, because Paul Thomas Anderson said that like they were taking material from that film left and right and center. Mm-hmm. And uh, producer Joanne Seller, who we've heard from the last few episodes, has also stated that they used the film as a reference for production design and costume design. So they were looking at that a lot. So in that that film is if you're unsure, it's about like basically like the veterans and stuff and mental illness. It's a documentary that just covers that. Not seen it, but apparently it's good. It's really good. I rec- I would yeah. recommend it. But she, I would. We should do that at the print shop. We should show it because it's not very long documentary you could show it at sort of a double bill show it before the master yeah yeah i think it would be, it won't be a very fun night of movies <laughs> but it would be yeah. very interesting well initially the film was set up with universal but it fell through due to problems with the script and the budget basically universal was like 35 million for this fuck off and then they weren't <laughs> happy with the script uh, so yeah, that whole that whole thing fell through. It was supposed to get made back in 2010, but um, it just didn't happen. And finally, it would get distributed by the Weinstein Company after PTA did like several rewrites. And uh, it was one of the first Annapurna films. So like, Annapurna represent. Yeah, it was one of the big first films from that company. Um, I didn't realize the woman who ran that was just like a big, like the daughter of a big billionaire guy or whatever. And she yeah, was, and she just. Use that money to make yeah. movies, which is cool. I love. This is a good yeah. way to use your stupid billions. Exactly. But yeah. Is it she, just a PTA a system that's just bullshit, like the Hollywood film system? But if she's gonna be a PTA, Mark, fuck <laughs> I, I, if I, she's using a billion yeah. to like make superhero movies, it's like no, fuck yeah. off. Yeah, but yeah. If she's like, here, I'm giving these guys a chance because the big studios won't let them make movies anymore. Yeah. Fuck yeah. But yeah, I mean, Annapurna is kind of funny. I mean, it's like. It's A24 and Annapurna right now, right? It's like those Yeah, two, like, and Blumhouse and stuff. Yeah, Blumhouse. I know they do well, horror. But it's just like those like... But yeah, those two. They're like the indie. They're cool, man. So cool. Oh, cool. The new Annapurna. Like, oh, yeah. I'm going to start a podcast just all about Blumhouse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Joaquin Phoenix plays... Yeah. Freddy Joker boy. PTA had Joaquin Phoenix in mind since the film's inception. As we mentioned on the previous two episodes... Yeah, we wanted to work with uh, him. Yeah, Joaquin Phoenix was one of the actors that PTA had on his wish list of sorts to work with. But like I said, this film was going to be made back in 2010. And back in 2010, when they were getting everything going, Joaquin Phoenix was making a film, so he wasn't available. And Jeremy Renner and James Franco were each rumored to play Freddy before Holy Joaquin shit. Phoenix was officially attached. With Jeremy Renner actually cast in 2010 and he would have played this role had that gone forward this is like a heart locker yeah I, he could have totally done it nowhere near as good as Joaquin Phoenix yeah. I think that and I love Jeremy Renner but like oh man that's hard you can't compare the two really I don't get Jeremy Renner <laughs> what do you mean <laughs> where did he come from you did the heart locker he was great because he's good Boring to look at. Um, wait, whatever. Uh, well, your take on Jeremy Renner is wrong. <laughs> I don't Watch your rival. I don't give a shit. He's the worst Avenger. Um, he's got no superpowers. <laughs> Neither the the Black Widow. Yeah, but she's cool. 
Why? Because she like lands cool. <laughs> why? Why you do this when you land? You flip your hair back. <laughs> yeah, Ari and I were talking about it on the uh, one of the most recent episodes of franchised about how mm. like all the uh, all the fast and furious guys just start like landing like that and i was like oh what like the, the fucking <laughs> superhero Black landing superhero land and she was like yeah <laughs> yeah they do like little flip they <laughs> they heal out i'm gonna fly through the sky after i jump out of a tank and i've catch someone in midair and i still land like a come on <laughs> come on that's great they're not even people anymore those movies roll listen to franchises <laughs> fun Midway through that shit, shit's fucking wild. Um, yeah. yeah, so this was Joaquin Phoenix's first screen appearance since 2010. The 2010 film that he was making. Oh, this was his comeback. This was his comeback. He had done that documentary, you might, mockumentary, you might remember, called I'm Still Here. I never forget. Look at me. I've like muddled my look <laughs> after Joaquin Phoenix in that fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, dude. Put some fucking sunglasses on. That's you. Yeah. What a weird time. I kind of forget about you. You never forget. I forget. I, 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 never I forget. forgot about I've, that whole period of time. I never forget. That was like a big reason. I just, I fucking loved working Phoenix. And like, that was just a point where he was clearly done with everything yeah. and just fucked with everyone. Yeah. Everyone like, thought pulled, it was like, pulled he a real lost Andy his mind. <laughs> yeah. He's like quit acting, grew his hair out and became a rapper. Yeah. And it was just like, what the fuck he's looting. Everybody bought into it. Yeah. Even though they saw Katie Affleck running around filming him the whole fucking time. Yeah. And then the movie came out and they're like, yeah, we knew it was fake. And it's like, no, you didn't. Clearly you <laughs> fucking didn't. But I, I love that whole scene. I love that movie. I think it's great. I think it's a really interesting analysis, like a deep dive into celebrity, both, in front of and behind the camera. Yeah, it's a weird, it's just a just a weird performance piece. And then after that, Joaquin Phoenix was not playing around. Like he did nothing but bang it after that. Movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe there's one or two not great ones, like the the one Woody Allen movie and stuff. But yeah, in general, he was just like, ah, oh, there's a real turning point. I think. Well, I I mean that's the thing. I think this film really helped him out as well because he basically I think was he was limited in roles basically mm-hmm. that he was being offered and PTA really wanted to work with him. And then he, you know, he does the master and he puts in one of his best performances ever. Yeah. And Easy. yeah. And then, you know, after that, he's like, can kind of do whatever he wants, you know, f- yeah. you know, he's going to get work. It's the, it's the dream, right? It's someone who had complete control over themselves. Someone who will, it's comfortable and systematically destroying their own career. Yeah. And then rebuilding <laughs> it again. And there's something so admirable about that. People love that. People love that sort of story. But he did it to himself, mm. which is great, just to prove that nothing, none of it meant anything. It's great. Well, he's doing this film about uh, a cult now, and it's kind of interesting because Joaquin Phoenix's parents, if you don't know, escaped yeah, from the infamous Children of God cult, mm-hmm. um, or the which later became the fucking family. I mean, if... If yeah. you're not sure about that, but it's a crazy cult. Listen to the last podcast on the left. They did yeah. a good movie, don't they? Um, so that was in the 1970s. They escaped. And in the movie, Peggy Dodd announces that the calls will be publishing her husband's new book in Phoenix, Arizona, because Phoenix symbolizes new beginnings. And this is the same reason why Joaquin Phoenix's family had changed That's their the name, name from bottom after they escaped 
the children of God to Phoenix. Beginning it was bottom before? Yeah. He wasn't Joaquin Bonham because no, they no. all got, I think, crazy names after. Yeah, because wasn't he Leaf before? Yeah, I think so. Well, yeah, he was like, the kid. yeah, his, yeah, because his original name I think name he was Joaquin, Leaf. then Leaf, yeah. then Joaquin again. Yeah. I can't, I, mean, I don't know what his first name, original name was. I mean, maybe it was Joaquin because they I were weird. I, yeah. But Joaquin Bottom, maybe. I don't know. But yeah, they changed their name to. But now he's doing Shoggy Bottom, not. Wacky Phoenix, but PTA. So it all comes full circle. <laughs> <laughs> Soggy Bottom's just going to be this other cult film just about like <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix's life. He just yeah. does that after he just runs out of ideas. He just makes up like weird films about. He like, just starts a real cult like Jared fucking Leto. You know? Yeah. Oh, God. Is that a real cult for real or is Jared Leto doing it? I don't know. I'm too? just. I just don't want it. Fuck Jared, Jared Leto. Leto. Fuck Jared Leto. The worst Joker. <laughs> yes, <laughs> hate him, bro. Yeah, I hate Joker, but I don't want to see Jared Leto's role in in Suicide Squad because he looks like the worst Joker. Yeah, don't watch that one. Just watch yeah. the new one. Did you watch it yet? I'm watching it tonight. Tonight. All right. Hey, yeah. maybe bonus episode. Who knows? Bonus round. Yeah, that's whiskey. It's nice. <laughs> yeah. So is this one, Woo. <laughs> What's in that? Secret. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I did read though why Joaquin Phoenix's family left the children of God. Joaquin Phoenix's family left because of the practice of flirty fishing. You ever heard of do that? I, do flirty I want to know what this is? It's basically uh <laughs> Where the women would go, they were kind of forced to go prostitute themselves out for Jesus. They would go. <laughs> it doesn't even make sense. Like you would think they would, you know, like cults need followers to get power, but also religious organizations need money. So you mm. would think they would go out and like flirty fishing means they flirt with them if catfish guys into like joining the cult. But basically what they were doing was literally going out to be prostitutes for jesus and making money for the church and stuff and they would just you know basically like there was a lot of stds a lot of births you know that were like second generation like jesus babies is what they would call them pretty fucked up (laughs) so left because of that we're done yeah yeah i think it's for the better right i don't want to i feel like a bunch of people came from that cult yeah, didn't the, Ar- so. didn't the Arquette come from that cult? I think so. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, Hollywood didn't necessarily fuck everybody's in the cult. Yeah. Well, in order to achieve the effect of clenching his mouth and talking out of one side, Joaquin Phoenix has he, he had a dentist attach metal plates to his teeth with uh, rubber bands to hold them shut. Uh, it's just like talking out of one side of his mouth. Which is really strange, and it, it, it does work really well in the film. But the rubber bands weren't strong enough to hold his mouth shut, so he removed them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the metal plates, complete with screws that were tightly cut up against the sides of his cheeks and stuff, were enough for a constant reminder for him to like, like the- just like keep his mouth kind of like this. Yeah. <laughs> um, and during filming, he was like allowed to improvise a lot on set, so he lost a lot of weight. And he came up with that awkward yeah. walking style and stance and stuff, which he basically just does again in Joker. His body looks strange. 
Like he it's looks weird, he got so he got weird. the fucked up shoulder and stuff. Yeah. And like what is wrong I, with that? <laughs> that's part of why I like Wacky Phoenix and the like it's a legit like physical transformation. Yeah. Like he obviously dropped a bunch of weight. I think he looked fucking amazing by the end. I know he's supposed to look really shitty, but by the end where he's like his hair's all fucked up and he's got like a beard going, I'm like, he looks great. That's what I want to look like. Um I'm obviously missing the point. Yeah. Um but yeah, like yeah, and the mouth thing and like the hunched over back. And again that's something they go they actually explain in the fucking script. You know, they talk about I think he it's like a, he's recovering from like appendicitis and he got like shrapnel in his back and shit. But like, I remember one person, in, uh, a reviewer, I think, I forget who it was, putting it really well and saying, Freddie Quell looked like a man who'd been chewed up and spit out by life. Mm. And that's perfect, just the way he yeah, walked around like this. Even I think after this movie, I started walking around like that because I thought it was fucking cool. <laughs> and everyone was like calling you Forrest, Forrest Gump and you're just like, Fuck. <laughs> that's that Forrest Gump pose. Yeah. That's, that's, my, boat. <laughs> that's my boat. That's my boat. my Bubba Gump hat. <laughs> A few days into the shoot, Paul Thomas Anderson noticed that Joaquin Phoenix would like really dive into the energy of a scene and he would just use all the space available to him. So mm. even if it was like outside the marks and stuff. So like PTA told the lighting crew just to keep the whole space lit just in case Joaquin Phoenix like went off the grid and that happened the camera needed to follow him. Yeah. Cause he's constantly it, moving around using every to, inch. <laughs> like that bit where he picked a fight and I want to know about that scene. You know, when he picked a fight with that dude, he's taking a picture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like I'm like did they talk to each other because like that's a f- real fucking fight they really yeah. hit each other it looked nasty like yeah. that bit the camera just goes wide and like they have to sort of follow Freddy and he sort of runs around he like throws things <laughs> yeah. he like he like slides yeah. around like grabs the girl and like runs off and like you don't even see some of it like he deliberately obscures himself behind a pillar and like yeah. it's fucking I love it though I love just it's literally just catching those moments it's not, yeah. and so so it doesn't feel like set up anymore. It feels very natural, like that bit in Punch Drunk with the fucking camera going around and they knock into something and they just keep it because it's fucking cool. Just keep it. It just feels yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. This is like literally a way better Joker. Uh, <laughs> this is what I mean. Like you know, just imagine Joker being because this, PTA like, is the source where it's like yeah. Todd Phillips is like referencing people like PTA, like yeah. Grisnady, but don't have the thing himself to put yeah. in yeah, and yeah. make it original and yeah. cool, if that makes sense. Because I'm just imagining him just like there, he's like taking his Can photos, he's trying Joker? to be a joker. <laughs> like He's being a little clown. He's like, you know, taking photos of people and he just gets fed up one day and he's just like a drunkard. He's crazy. He's like post-war. You give him like, he's got a whole lot of reasons to be the way that he is, you know? He's fucked yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. You know, but like, oh God, Joker. Like, what was his backstory? I'm a failed comedian. Who cares? Fuck off. Like, yeah, they did a better job in the cartoon <laughs> fucking version and the like comic book. Yeah. Yeah. When they gave him a, like a backstory, like, that's was, what they were trying at to least do. It made sense. But the Alan Moore one bad day. Do you know what I want though? Yeah. Sorry. Mix the two together. Do a Doink the Clown fucking movie. I know it's popular. <laughs> 
but like fucking Joaquin Phoenix is doink. And it's like the yeah. fucking, you know, disheveled clown drunkard who like goes into pro wrestling, but like hates kids now. Yeah. And like just wants to fucking scare them. And then two of them maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and then a little dink. <laughs> a little dink. Oh, oh man. God. I love Doink the Clown. What a great I love character. Great, great character. I love OG bad guy Doink. Yeah. Well, with the so fucking good. eerie music and yeah. stuff. Fight so and crush. Good. Crush bra. Crush bra. bra. Making crid kid cry, bra. <laughs> I was watching that OSW WrestleMania 9 during the old night. Yeah. So it's fresh on my mind. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, so Joaquin Phoenix reportedly stayed in character throughout this entire three-month shoot. He was improvising the whole time. <laughs> you had like a few a few of the film's most like famous moments that he like improvised completely, like basically when he breaks the toilet in the gel scene. Yeah, and he shouldn't have done that. <laughs> now that wasn't scripted at all. And that and, was like a legit old toilet. <laughs> yeah. And he, he didn't intend to do it, and he didn't even think he could. And there was three takes of this scene, but they end up using the first one where he breaks the fucking toilet, just shatters it. I just love that image of him like fucking slamming yeah. his head under the bed and like just going fucking crazy in a cell and Lancaster Dodd just like leaning <laughs> at the cage, just looking at him. Yeah. Just like, it's just the animal. Yeah. He's the animal in the cage. Yeah. In the cage. It's just so perfect. And it's yeah. very literal, but it's fucking. Perfect. There's a lot of good, like dumb shots in this film that like, I, I mostly know because I've had to, cause I hadn't seen it before, but I know from like having to, like him leaning over you know, the loft and stuff. With the yeah, yeah. The the scene in the elevator, them smoking the cigarettes. Yeah. Like those shots, yeah. like are just just shots that I know from this film. Like finding gifts for to like promote the film, playing at the cinema and shit. I know, love cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> cools. Yeah, so he stayed in character this entire time, and it impressed PTA so much that he actually compared him to Daniel Day Lewis. Daniel Day Lewis. Daniel Day Lewis um, Jr. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's the only other person you can compare it to, but I, and that's a fucking crazy performance in There Will Be Blood. Mm-hmm. But I, I like Joaquin I think Joaquin Phoenix is the master, and it's hard because Philip Neymar Hoffman is right there as well, delivering his career best. But like Joaquin Phoenix and the master, I think it's like the greatest fucking performance like put to film. I think it's absolutely incredible, mm-hmm. and I think that's part of it. It's just committed. There is not. I'm stealing a line. I was speaking to Rob about this. I'm stealing a line from him, but it's like there's not one moment of that movie where he is not in character. He is yeah. always Freddie Quill. Mm. Yeah, I, I, we can get into Philip Seymour Hoffman as Lancaster Dodd. It's his yes. final PTA film. R.I.P. What they could have done. That's a shame. I really miss Philip Seymour Hoffman. That one fucking He's hurt. so great. He's so good. unbelievably film. great. Yeah. There was something I read that I think is like a, a good point where you just kind of what you're talking about, like Joaquin Phoenix's character in this film and then also Philip Seymour Hoffman. I read someone put it like this where Joaquin Phoenix is playing like almost like those new Hollywood style, like from the p- time period that this film would have been made, you know, like you, you've got your like James Brando's Dean, or Brando, your, yeah. James Dean's or your even your Jack Nicholson sort of For vibes. sure. Like that new Hollywood vibe, just like really mm. kind of like naturalistic method acting. Yeah. 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 I mean, I guess James Dean was sort of classic Hollywood, but 
Brando's bridges but, gap, but you know what I mean. Yeah. It's that sort of no, but he would like because like, James Dean was doing shit like way different than most of the people yeah. back then. But then you have Philip Seymour Hoffman playing like his best, like Orson Welles, like you know, very. That's classic a really Hollywood. good point. Yeah, it, it, just clashing together, and it's kind of and they the person that was writing this like uh, was basically saying it's like this is a film as much about just acting as it is about anything else you know like it's a <laughs> for sure to acting it, even down to because i've watched this with my brother a couple of times and it's like even that da- he's an actor and even down to the processing scene yeah it's literally an acting technique it's literally i forget what it's part of it might be meisner or something like that um but repetition where it's literally just that you just repeat 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 until you break each other and just it's like to get you there emotionally quicker and create like a through line to those moments. But it's like, it's also, you know, even as he described it, it's somewhat, it, it's sort of mental torture yeah. and emotional manipulation. And it's not healthy. It's something you can practice, but like people can become too obsessed with that thing. Yeah. yeah and yeah. that's exactly what happened in the movie. So that is a very good point. Yeah. A lot of this movie is just about, not about, but just it's the acting. Yeah. That whole processing scene as well, they put that in like I think he put that in like like on purpose at thirty minutes in just to like build up that tension <sighs> to the point just for the rhythm of it. Like My God, I've honestly that scene it just one it's just one of the best scenes ever. Mm-hmm. Like per, absolutely perfect scene. And like I think about it a lot because I'm like even PTA isn't above a fart joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and I really appreciate I the that. Part joke. I just love that. It's just like fuck it. It's all good. It's yeah. all real and it's all human. You don't yeah. have to take yourself that goddamn seriously to make a good movie. Yeah, the um, I think that scene as well was like something they had to shoot quite a bit because uh, there was a lot of outtakes for it because <laughs> basically they yeah, just kept it. laughing and when they were smoking cigarettes. Because like film, Philip Seymour Hoffman says like I like cools minty flavor like and it's just, <laughs> like it just kept making them laugh over and over like That's both funny. of them just kept they literally up. have a cigarette yeah. though as if they've just fucked you know what I mean <laughs> yeah, yeah it's fucking there yeah and the way it's shot as well it's like it's like like he's this way you know Joaquin Phoenix is that way <laughs> it's just like, over. oh man so funny yeah and uh, like, apparently in the film it cuts away just before. Philip Seymour Hoffman starts laughing because it's just like they couldn't do it without laughing. Lancaster Dodd yelling out, pig fuck (laughs) was improvised by Philip Seymour Hoffman. And it was after the moment, the classic facade breaks. Yeah. Why do you ask the question? Pig fuck. (laughs) When he said pig fuck like that, I was like, that was probably improvised. And then I like, I look it up and it actually was because he literally it was blurted out like an improv. Yeah. Cause I think like Paul Thomas Anderson plucked a piece of his hair out before the take. And then they later <laughs> reshot it with a different setting and had all the different background actors. And he just like, you know, he just did it again. Pick fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I love that bit. I even loved the bit before that, the guy's line, the guy they rough up later with like, then you only have the will of one man which is the basis of cult. Yeah, it's a great line. Oh, just the way that line is a great line and the way that guy delivered it, it's just, oh, mm-hmm. again, it's just, I don't, it's just so many moments like that that are played so perfectly that yeah. like, I find really effective. 
this is kind of sad that Phyllis Seymour Hoffman, he like hadn't been drinking for 23 years. He basically had a lot of drinking and yeah. drug problems and stuff early in his career and stuff and was partying mm-hmm. pretty hard. I think he, when he was in NYU, he was partying really hard and stuff. And he had his first drink in 23 years at the rap party for this film, which led to a relapse into alcoholism. And unfortunately, Eventually. like, led, I guess would lead to his demise because he did end up dying later, a couple years later after. Like falling, a year later. Yeah, a year later yeah. after falling into like a drug binge, I guess. Went back, went back into heroin. Mm. That thing of like, you know, you used to do this much, but you don't do it for 20 years. And then you go back, you take the same amount as you did last time. Yeah. Can't do it that can, shit. It can, can fucking kill you. And just what a fucking loss. Yeah. Just one of the best to ever do it. And just, it's such just a, like a, a long time for appreciation for him to come as well. You know, like. Yeah. Using so yeah. much stuff. <laughs> so many so good things. So many yeah. things. Like the way we've been charting him throughout this series and stuff as well. Cause like we were we were talking about like, you know, him and you know, Heart Eight, he steals the scene. He's like yeah. fucking improvising the But yeah. he's like Boogie Nights, I wanted so much more from that character. Yeah, yeah. Like that was one of my biggest gripes with that film because that character's so interesting. Scotty, yeah. But Scotty gets fuck all like in the mm. at the ends. Like they just bear they just gloss over like he has a whole emotional thing where he's like, I, I love you. Like, you know, mm-hmm. sort of thing. And you want to see that play out, and it just doesn't. It just doesn't. Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I just I don't know. Like he's he started out like, you know, just in bit roles here and there, like Twister, like, you know, he's great <laughs> in that. He stills the fucking film. He's so funny as Dusty. Uh, like I already mentioned, along came Polly. He just does these roles. He's just like so good in them. Deal everything, even yeah. Mission Impossible Three. Yeah. Got the fucking show in that. Yeah, make that movie. He he like was doing all these indie films and stuff here and there, and he would yeah. do his PTA films and Big Lebowski. Like, yeah, he got it, and he got his big fucking you know moment with Capote. Yeah, yeah, that was like and, the big the big big moment yeah and then finally yeah. like you know with this by this point when he's doing this film he was you know well received but I, yeah yeah this fourth and final oscar nomination for this unfortunately didn't win but fucking great in this film absolutely amazing r.i.p on another level yeah we met philip newmark and every day <laughs> uh amy adams plays peggy dodd I love I love Amy Adams. Love her and uh, just one of my favorites. Yeah. She's great. Like I felt like they could have done a little bit more with her, but I know it's not really about her. It's more about Master and Freddy. But that's but, what she does with a little, and I agree yeah. with you. I agree that I think she should have more. But she is so good. She does so much with that little. She has a presence mm-hmm. in that movie yeah. that you feel even when she's not on screen. Even when she's not in the scene, you can feel her. There, always there in the background, and yeah. she fucking comes in. That's interesting because swipes them both. Amy Adams said that PTA would have her appear on set for scenes she was not scheduled to be in, just to make her present felt. Really? Yeah, that's that's perfect. I it worked on me clearly. She said at times she didn't even know the camera was on her, like you know, so she probably was in the background of certain scenes, and she just didn't even know because PTA just, just made her like come in and just like 
be in there so she's just always there <laughs> yeah i love it i love when she's trying to like you know train freddie down and yeah and she's just reading out loud like the really graphic buff core fucking porn <laughs> yeah. the erotic novel and he's yeah. like i don't want to hear this yeah and then the training like that bit's great again it really weird moment for a film like this where he's like where she's like look into my eyes now make them black and they turn yeah black. dude that's crazy that's yeah the- Trippy effect. Yeah. I remember that. That was like, whoa. I remember saying, whoa. <laughs> like, <laughs> whoa, dude. Uh yeah, I mean, she is great. It's just I I really like Amy Adams a lot. Uh Ariane and I did One a of whole best. episode, bonus episode on Patreon for uh Catch Me If You Can. And it was one of her oh, early, yeah. early roles. And she's yes. so good in it. And how like, many people can do like the master and fucking what's that movie enchanted yeah true you know what i mean Enchanted's like how? great as well it she's is so but good like how well. how did yeah you know how many honestly how many people she's yeah. under it i feel like she should be held up like a meryl streep and she's yeah. not maybe maybe like you know 20 years give it a few yeah because she keeps doing it she just did a rival and she's that's an amazing yeah. performance though. she's so good so yeah, I mean, I think that's the only reason why I was saying I wanted a little bit more, but it's you know whatever. It's I'm the same you. thing as like me wanting a little bit more from Julianne Moore and some of these because she's so fucking good in the scene she's in. Exactly, you just or want wanting more. more. Yeah, we're just wanting more. You know, basketball from Space Jam too. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, Space Jam, Space Jam two, <laughs> new legacy uh, review from Phil, Phil and I out on Patreon <laughs> coming up go, go listen to we did that patreon.com forward slash PCC podcast uh, again more people I think Amy Adams is in that like with this film was probably in that weird period of time where she was like just like really starting to like make her fucking name and presence known in Hollywood I mean she had done uh, probably Enchanted before this but you know she's only up and up you know yeah yeah. Uh, and again, she did you know Ballad of Rookie Bobby yeah yeah. <laughs> on a way classic classic um so yeah there's a couple of other people that are like in this weird period of time where they're not quite big yet like re- we have rami malik as clark massey who yeah that's so always cool to the see husband, like pre mr robot yeah. rami malik still looks fucking weird as fuck he's a weird, weird he's a face. weird fucking dude yeah um, he's great though and then we have jesse plemons as val dodd this is Jesse Plemons, the guy. This He's must like, Fat Damon. Perfect. This must Fat be Damon. like this has to be pre like this is pre Breaking pre Breaking Bad because that yeah. he's he really came in into that like final season. Yeah, which is years later. And well, it was close. It was, it was probably like 2013, 2014. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. So it was close, but he had he really hadn't like because. At this point, if you had seen the master and you saw Jesse Plemons, you would have been like, "Was that that kid from Like Mike?" You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, yeah. It's like, is that him grown up? What? Is that Jonathan like, Lipnicki? <laughs> no, the is other that, one, the bully, oh, the bully. Oh, little bow wow, <laughs> little bow wow. <laughs> Brenda Strong, dude. That <laughs> film had a cast on it. it had a fucking cast: Crispin Glover, Jesse Plemons. <laughs> Bow Wow, awesome Brenda Strong, Jonathan Lipnicki. That's the fucking five. Like, I would put them against the fucking Toon Squad. Like, come on. Oh, my God. There's your fucking goon squad. <laughs> there's your goon squad. <laughs> the cast of Like Mike. <laughs> oh, man. All right. And we have right. Amber Child, uh, Childers as Elizabeth Dodd. Um, who's... <laughs> 
The one who's hitting on Freddy. Who's basically hitting on Freddy throughout the film. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Um, she's just like, she's like trying to throw up him on his leg and shit. It's like, and she definitely doesn't even like him. She's just fucking with him. She's, yeah. Cause she's fucking bored. Cause yeah. at dinner she's like, I don't think she committed to the card, <laughs> you know, like slicing up a steak. Are any of them though? Like they're just like, that's the same thing with like Jesse Plemons. Yeah. Character He's making about. it all up. He's making it all up. And like that whole. Just fucking say something. Yeah. Damn man. They're, they're all like, they're just like rich kids who are like Amy Adams is serious about it. Yeah, she's she what happened to her? She the she's one, like yeah. just a little bit older than his daughter Elizabeth, which is an interesting thing. Yeah, it's not nearly touched on enough, but whatever, because it's not really about <laughs> that. They're yeah. just like really sidestepping the whole like cult side of this. Yeah. You know, it's that same story. It's just a different fucking cult leader, you know, it has exactly. like his same old fifth shit. wife or something. And she's like, they get younger every time. Yeah. <laughs> this is my daughter's age. You know, <laughs> they're so weird together. They look weird together. It's like such a funny thing, but it's like yeah. perfect casting. Amanda Seyfried and Emma Stone were considered for the part of Elizabeth Dodd before Amber Childers <laughs> was eventually cast. So that's kind Fair of an interesting, like time period. They have that look same at. look. Yeah, yeah. We have Madison Beatty as Doris Solstad. So this is uh, his his way too young girl. That's another okay. story. Holy shit, Freddie and his like. All right, did Freddie actually fuck his aunt? Did he actually? <laughs> did he actually have this thing? Let's with get Doris, down to it. This fucking sixteen-year-old kid or fifteen-year-old. Well, that's kid. the point. It, he never gets that thing with Doris. Yeah, they kiss and that's it. Yeah. But he's like, I will come back. I'll come back for you. And then it's going to be our turn. She'll be old enough and he'll be done with the Navy. That the whole thing. But he never does. And you don't know why. You don't know why he comes back. He doesn't come back. No, he does. He does. It's too late. He does. It's too and late. And she becomes Doris Day. Doris Day. <laughs> Doris Day like the movie star. Yeah. She's great. Again, small role, but she like makes it memorable just at least for the song. Yeah. That she sings. That's a really lovely song. Mm-hmm. And summed up their relationship quite well. Yeah, it's a. But yeah, I don't know what the fuck is going yeah, on there, it's man. Very strange. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, not trying to defend it. Just saying it's there. Yeah, like Freddie's a pedo, um, basically, or groomer. It's the 1950s. He's a groomer. It's a groomer. Yeah, he's a groomer. It's interesting, a isn't it? Like basically, a dog <laughs> is a groomer. I've never heard of a grooming dog. You know, like it's interesting. Yeah, because he is. He is basically a dog in this film. Um, yeah, let's down, boy, down. Down. <laughs> silly animal, <laughs> naughty, naughty, Freddie. No, what did you do? <laughs> <laughs> you already mentioned Kevin J. O'Connor. His, uh, he's back as Bill William. That was his name. Will? Bill, 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 Will, Bill, Will, Will, Bill, Bill, William, William, William. Two first names. Fuck, Fuck off. off, William, William. What a dumb name. He's uh. <laughs> th- the publisher that Freddie dust up. That's the brother of, well, the faux brother of Daniel day, Lewis, Daniel plain, Daniel day, and, uh, Henry plain. This was a great person to see. She does kind of fuck all except just smile in the background, but Jillian bell is in this film. Yeah. She had what? Yeah. I mean, she had the one person I think. Dean. Yeah. And then that's when they explained like, we're always recording or something like <laughs> yeah. that. Some bullshit. Yeah. But she was basically cast, and this is hilarious. From Workaholics. From Workaholics, because <laughs> PTA was just a fan of Workaholics. She, yeah, that's great show. She's one of the best things about this. She show. is, yeah. 
But that's hilarious because PTA. I'm like, gonna put you in the master. He's like, <laughs> now listen to this shit. <laughs> I love John Houston. I'm gonna like model most of my films off of John Houston. I'm gonna watch, you know, the Treasure of Sierra Madre every day. Every day. <laughs> Not before a day I, gonna go by without me watching that movie. <laughs> before I make there will be blood. I don't do I don't do fucking coke anymore, you know, so I say. Yeah. But I might smoke a little weed from time to time and I put on workaholics. Smoke a J. I smoke a J. I relax. I put on workaholics. That little blonde girl, she kind of makes me laugh. So, <laughs> hey, what am I going to do? I'm going to call up my peeps. I'm going to be like, yo, who's this girl? Jillian Bell. Can you give me her J number? Bell? Yo, Jay Bell. I <laughs> fucking love your work and workaholics. This shit's this fucking funny, yo. That shit mad tight. This your boy, PTA. This your boy, PTA. I'm calling to say, do you want to be in my film? I'm not going to give you shit to do. But you can be in the background and smile. <laughs> <laughs> you can make me laugh when I'm bored. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> yeah, that's the transcript. And I didn't know PTA, you know, and in private life, just done like an ice cube. In yeah. <laughs> well, he's married to, you know, Maya Rudolph. Maya Rudolph. He thinks he has like clout. He thinks he can do oh, that shit. Oh, no. Apparently, he wanted his kids to be in this film, but he like thought that it was like, you can't have mixed race children like that would be like weird for the time. And I'm like, dude, fuck it. Who cares? It's your movie. Do you want to do whatever you want? You know, that great shot when Freddie's taking pictures and then the one of the three kids all dressed the same and they smile. That's what, like the three, that's where they were going to be. They were going to be, they should have been there. They were going to be in the (laughs) the shots where he was taking the family portraits and stuff. Oh, I should have gone for it. That's what I read. I don't know if it's true. Cause I don't know if anything I read is true. <laughs> um, confirmed. <laughs> this is the last person before we move on and close out this, sh- this ship. Um, Fiona Dorif is in this film as one of the dancers. And that's another scene where I'm like, is this real? Is Freddie envisioning in his fuck? Yeah. When everyone's fucking naked, but clearly not real. Yeah. Like, it's, it's only the women. None of the men are naked. Obviously, again, Why we were talking about this. The men naked. <laughs> go back, go back to last week where, like, literally had the same conversation with Julia. She was like, "Why is it all the fucking ladies? Why do they fucking have to do this? It's fucking horrible. The guys never get naked." And I'm just like, "I don't even know if this is real. Like, I think like, this is all in Freddie's head. Just look at the way he's looking at him, and he's in this drunken yeah. stupor, and like all the ladies are naked. I'm not, a, I'm not defending that." Because why aren't any of the guys naked? It would have been funnier if Lancaster was naked at the same time and all this shit's going on. But he, it's his gaze. It's literally the male gaze. The literal use of the yeah. male gaze. It's him drunk as fuck. Yeah. Just constantly obsessed with that. Yeah. Just picturing everyone, every woman naked. Because he doesn't never have. And, <laughs> yeah, and never getting it. And he doesn't have any interest in men that he knows of, although yeah. he's definitely into Lancaster. But I, I don't think he understands it yet. That's the thing at the end, though. There's not I'm physical not, attraction. I was like unsure, like, because there's a whole thing, obviously, with the girl. He's He doesn't get with her because she's young and blah, blah, blah. And we don't even know yeah. what the fuck is going on with that. There's a potential of the weird, you know, I was, you know, young and I had sex with my aunt, but how much of that was like me actually wanting to have sex with my aunt or my aunt fucking basically, you know, statutory raped me, you know, 
Yeah, that's, that's how weird. I read it. He would abuse the sexually child, abused but, you just, child. but you wouldn't fucking call it that yeah. back then. And then there's the whole thing of like at the end, he like, oh, I've already questioned, is it real? Does he actually have sex with this woman or not? And it's like kind of an interesting art because he's not like not having sex. He just wants to have sex and he finally has sex at the end. I love it. Oh my God. <laughs> but I then, just love but PTA, then PTA just fucking puts him on the beach like next to the fucking like Gorgeous. sand sculpture. So it's like, did that happen? Exactly. Yeah. It doesn't matter yeah. at that point, right? But anyway, Fiona Dorif is in this film, and I fucking love Fiona Dorif. She is the daughter of Brad Dorif, who a lot of people might know is uh, Billy Bibbit in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. But yeah. he's also the voice of Chucky and plays Charles Lee Ray in the very first Child's Play film. Um, and she so cool. is in uh, Curse of Chucky and Cult of Chucky and she's going to be in the new Child's Play series on uh, Chucky series on sci-fi which I fucking love I love her and maybe one day <laughs> maybe one day <laughs> there'll be something in my one life what? that I oh. put out that, uh, that you can has share to do your love of Chucky with Chucky hint hint um, hint to hint although it probably won't happen <laughs> filming began in june of 2011 in vallejo in sacramento california shooting took place in mare island for about a month using the wing of an old hospital and an empty admiral's mansion for some scenes which i'm assuming might be when they were supposed to be in england i'm not really sure the former president franklin delano roosevelt fdr his presidential yacht the uss potomac was used were shooting on the shipboard scene so basically when they were on this on this boat that was former president fdr's boat that's amazing. incredible it's an impressive looking but that's a legit story as yeah. well that lancaster not lancaster fuck l ron hubbard spent a lot of his time on yeah sea. yeah so because he was wanted in so many fucking states yeah. And he did swindle an old lady out of that fucking boat. It's yeah. great. Like, so there's stuff like that that's like really true to life. Yeah. That, but that's like, oh, that's like, if you know, you know, mm-hmm. sort of references. Yeah. And a lot of the stuff they were using with Scientology and stuff was, was like dealing with being on the sea. A lot of the rankings had to do with like, for sure. Yeah. Like naval rankings and like, yeah, and sea stuff. orgs, like that whole yeah. crew. It's crazy. Go watch Going Clear as a like. I think you that's a good it. double feature. Going Clear with the Master is like would be really good. Yeah, because uh, Going Clear is crazy. I w- that was one of the coolest things we had at cinema like back when I was ushering. It was like, yeah. And Did we show it? Yeah, we showed I mean, Going Clear, and then we had uh, very soon after Louis Theroux's My, My Scientology, Scientology movie, movie, which was also yeah, kind of cool. That it, one. Had a, it had one of the same guys in it. Okay, um, which was kind of cool just to kind of see him again because he like had such a big role as one of the people who left Scientology and was just being chased down. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, we were, were we joking about the King of Queens? Yeah, uh, we were making, we were like, how the fuck did Kevin James yeah. get into those Adam Sandler movies? Yeah. Would well, you remember the woman from King of Queens, his wife? Yeah. Leia Remini. Yeah. Didn't she make Chloe going clear? Yeah. And she has a Scientology uh, podcast and, she used to be on like fucking Saved by the Bell. Like there was that weird season <laughs> where they like were like in Malibu Sands or something. At the yeah, beach, yeah. And she was like Zach's love interest. Yeah, and then you don't see her really again until she's in King of Queens, and turns out she was a mad Scientologist who like left that shit. Yeah, yeah, now she's like dedicated her life to just fucking destroying it, which I love. Yeah, 
I mean, come on. It's a fucking... Fuck Scientology. It's a dumbass cult that just has to do with UFOs. Fuck off. <laughs> like, another one. Who cares? We might get some people off to it. Yeah, I don't care. Fuck them. Send them my way. They're fucking petty. I, I'll go to You your, don't know where I live. I'll go to your stupid ass, like, you know, center here in London and try to convince me. Yeah, I know where it is. Right by computer exchange. Yeah. <laughs> is it... Actually, like, Gooch Tree. Will it make us famous will make it successful because they're really good track records of making people successful that's true maybe they can push this podcast how much work do you have to put in how much money do you have to you just put have in? to give them all the money <laughs> all the money yeah. all the money give in the all world the money and then we'll put you up to level yeah. two and we'll go from there <laughs> so this was the first paul thomas anderson film for which robert elswit isn't the cinematographer which we gave him so much praise and there will be blood oh, he had been a, he had been for the long for the ride since the beginning really and he's done a great job but he wasn't available because he had already signed on to shoot the born legacy so we had mahai malimar jr take over and he did a great job this film looks amazing looks beautiful fucking great some of my favorite ever shots are here and they're mostly freddie running away from things (laughs) but like him running through the field him driving through the desert back to the desert and fucking him just almost drowning in the water below absolutely some some of the most beautiful things I've ever seen yeah. on screen. It does look amazing. Um, and a part of the reason why it looked amazing was because PTA originally wanted to shoot the film using this division, which was the same widescreen format that Alfred Hitchcock used on some of his biggest films from back in the late 1950s. PTA later abandoned this idea in favor of the Super 65 cameras that he would end up using. However, in 2019, he would finally use VistaVision for his short film, Anima. Or Anima? Is it Anima? Anima. 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 You know that song. Anima. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's like a fucking 80s power ballad. <laughs> Anima. <laughs> yeah. Which was the uh, promotional video for the album of the same name for Radiohead's Tom York, which I surprisingly like because I don't like Radiohead, which we've had this conversation. We don't Wrong. need to, We don't need to go through this. We don't need again. to do it again. But I did like. Stop yelling at I me. did like Anima. It was pretty cool. Good. So when it when it came out, though, uh, it was the first motion picture in 16 years to be filmed on 65 millimeter using uh, Panavision's System 65 camera. Uh, the last film before Beautiful. 16 years before this was uh, Kenneth Bragnard's uh, Hamlet. Really? Yeah. That's funny. So, Had it been used since? Do you know? Yeah, it's been used since. So uh, Hateful Eight and Dunkirk were both used using 65 oh, millimeter Panavision system. Interesting. Yeah. I hated one and I haven't seen the other one. <laughs> <laughs> Which one did you hate? Hateful Eight. Hateful Eight, because it's hateful. Yeah. yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird movie. I don't, don't like, like it. it don't like it. I still don't haven't like seen Dunkirk it. either. So there we go. And I feel like it's too late because I can't watch it. I'd like, you know, I don't want to watch it at home. I feel like that. We show it every so often in the cinema on seventy. And I always miss it. Yeah. Next time, maybe. <laughs> Next time. Um, around eighty-five percent of the film was shot in sixty-five millimeter. But the rest was shot in 35 millimeter, and those were usually for the scenes that they purposely wanted to make look a little bit dirtier. And you can kind of tell in a way, um, but they also, because 65 millimeter is like, you know, it's basically what they would use for 70 millimeter, be blown up a little bit bigger on 70 millimeter, but it is a wider and bigger aspect ratio. So they had to actually crop a bit to get it down to 185, which is what the 35 Mm. millimeter 
like uh, the rest of the film was shot on. So they cropped mm-hmm. a bit. So they miss, they're missing out on a bit from the original film. It's a size, yeah. But, you know, it looks fucking great anyway. And <laughs> they knew what they were doing. So I'm sure they blocked out those bits. But <laughs> fucking, fucking like Joaquin Phoenix was probably like just going into those bits and stuff <laughs> and stuff. And they're just like, dude, move the camera. Um, <laughs> please stop Joaquin. Please, please stop. <laughs> right, let's get into the music. Nice. Johnny Greenwood is back. Johnny Greenwood is back. Radiohead. up his game. Yeah, I would say this is um, much better of an original much, much score better. than There Will Be Blood. Like, because like I said last time, There Will Be Blood episode, I really did enjoy Johnny Greenwood's Greenwood's work but like um, it wasn't like it wasn't like knock it out of the park for me and I felt like he no, maybe was a little bit fine. more comfortable this time and like the music's yeah. really good and um, his choices of uh, the commercial songs he does yeah. are lovely get so behind good. me Satan and changing partners yeah. I just love yeah. the lovely songs they perfectly fit the mood of the movie well, the original soundtrack was released through Nonesuch Records, and it comprises of 11 composition, compositions by Johnny Greenwood, along with four recordings from the film's era. So you have Don't Sit Under the Apple Tree with Anyone Else But Me, which was sung by Madison Betty as Doris in the film. We yeah, have No Other Love by Joe Strafford. We have Changing Partners by Helen Forrest. And yeah, basically the best song in the whole film it's so fucking good get thee behind me satan by ella fitzgerald ella fitzgerald you yeah such a great song yeah without any permissions on the supervision from film studio executives paul thomas anderson basically decided that he was going to edit all the trailers for the master himself (laughs) (laughs) well then that's funny i mean i then then he got me to go see it well have you seen the trailers like it's really I mean, interesting. You should watch the trailers now that you know the film if you haven't seen them since. Because I haven't gone back, no. It's interesting because all the trailers feature barely any footage from the actual film. Most of the footage seen is like film, like footage that was removed from the final cut. Yeah, I was speaking to uh, Chevy about this actually recently, um, who you know, worked at the cinema, mm. just in case. Yeah. Uh, and there's a great line in the trailer that should have been in the movie and it's not in there and it's really frustrating and I only remembered because he brought it up and it's the bit in the jail cell mm-hmm. when Joaquin Phoenix is like screaming at Philip Nemo Hoffman and in the movie it's just like oh you're full of shit you, your son hates you you're just making this shit up but in the trailer there's a bit where he's like like I know you're trying to calm me down but just please tell me something that's true which is a great line yeah that would actually have added a really nice layer to that moment. Um, <laughs> yeah. But that's the, that's the only one I remember. I don't yeah. remember there being other unused footage. I need to go back. Yeah, there's a lot of weird stuff like with the Elizabeth Dodd character, like her, like obviously probably just like fucking with Joaquin Phoenix a little bit more and she's mm-hmm. just like licking her tongue out like, uh, <laughs> like, a, yeah. <laughs> like Megan Thee Stallion. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Could you imagine that in the trailer? <laughs> just like, <laughs> like, what the fuck just, happened to PTA? You just cut the music like from the Johnny Greenwood <laughs> score and just like, <laughs> 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 and Wacky Phoenix just takes and pits the paper back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
So yeah, it's crazy. Like most of this shit was like just fresh, weird shit that was removed from the final cut so that moviegoers were able to go in fresh when the master was released. Dude, I wish more people would do that. That's I, a great I've been talking idea. about that me? throughout the entire fast saga on franchise. Um, where I'm just like, dude, this movie was ruined for me because of the fucking trailer. Like I saw the trailer trailer, like for Hobbs and Shaw and it ruined the whole film for me because by the time I saw the film, it was like all the best bits were in the fucking trailer. And I was just like, all right, well I have already seen them because they showed this entire scene in the trailer. (laughs) Yeah. That's (laughs) a fucking big problem with Hollywood in general. It's like, what you're fucking too afraid to like, you want people to come. So you give them all the good bits, but then they're going to fucking hate your movie because You've already given them all the good bits. The only people that can get away with it, and I wish they would more, is Marvel. Yeah. Marvel don't even have to put out trailers. Yeah. They fucking shouldn't, actually. That would be great. They kind of did that for Endgame, where the only trailer they released was just, it wasn't any new footage. It was just like a recap almost of what, <laughs> yeah. of what had passed, which was a great idea, because who the fuck isn't going to go watch Endgame, you know? Yeah. But even they do that stupid bullshit where they re-edit trailers. They re-edit the footage, not to like hide things from you, but to deliberately mislead you. And I guess that people can't, you know, they'll re-edit characters back in. Yeah. You know, like Hulk is in the scene, but in the movie he's not there because Hulk is actually, and you know, fighting this person. They didn't want to give that away, and I think that's kind of shitty and that's kind of annoying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Purely because like. There are people online who like make their living off like analyzing those videos, and you're just like, <laughs> you're just like fuck all of you yeah basically maybe but they're yeah, tired of those movie, stupid videos i get in the long run those videos, videos are bad because people end up writing a movie in their head yeah and then get angry when their version isn't <laughs> met even though <laughs> their version stuck yeah. i don't know but yeah trailer stuck i need yeah. to go back and watch the trailer but like i remember the thing that really got me to watch them after with the poster. Do you remember the poster? Well, he did have his posters that he released that were like the untitled Paul Thomas Anderson film. Like oh, he released yeah. two or three posters that were like, just like the untitled Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Like, but those were back when he was like, kind of like sneakily just like hinting that he was doing this at like can and stuff, you know? So mm. it was like, he wasn't like properly dropping it. Which poster are you talking about? <laughs> Uh, it was like when it was actually on release, and it was, it's a poster with like um, I think it's the cover uh, on the Blu-ray. It's the it's like a Rorschach yeah. ink blot test, yeah, I know what you're but with their face in that poster. And I remember it, it had the greatest quote from a film critic at the top. The only time a quote like that had ever made me want to watch a movie. And I forget who it's by, and I hate that I've forgotten because it's a, it's so good, and it just said. Um, if there was ever a movie to make the blind see and the lame walk, this might be the movie. <laughs> and I was like, fucking hell, I gotta watch this. Yeah. Like, what a poetic way of saying, like, how good and, you know, transformative this movie could be. Yeah. The the funny thing is the rest of that that quote was just basically talking about how much he hated this film. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they just took it out. Yeah. <laughs> Is it true? I don't know if you have this in your research. I remember hearing once that essentially the master would, because PTA is weird with his titles, that it was named by Reddit, or at least online. I didn't see that, no. But maybe, I, yeah. I just heard because it was untitled for a long time, yeah. and it got leaked, and forums and fans were passing it around and referred to it as 
the master mm-hmm. because Lancaster Dodd's character in the script is referred to as master, his character name is master. It's, it's possible, yeah. I didn't come across that in my in my research. If it, yeah. you know, prove prove me wrong yeah. if you know the actual idea uh, um, story, but I like that. They story. were doing a lot of weird stuff though. Like I, I mean, like I said, there was the 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 poster the posters being like you know shown or presented at like can and stuff like that mm. but then you would do things like this where he premiered the film in a surprise 70 millimeter screening at the american cinematheque in los angeles in august of 2012 following a 4k restoration of the shining so it was <laughs> a full month almost before the world premiere at the venice film festival and those in attendance were basically told at the start of the film of The Shining that there will be a special free screening after the film, but they didn't reveal that the screening would be the world premiere of The That's Master. That's so cool. So the film was shown with no opening titles except for the title of the movie, and then there was no closing credits. It was just just the movie basically (laughs) that's great and the weinstein company continued to do advanced screenings of the film in 70 millimeter in new york city los angeles london chicago san francisco seattle boston washington dc austin they just basically kept showing around because they were like it was almost like a test because they were trying (laughs) to see how many places they could show it in 70 millimeter because the idea was that hey we could just do a 70 millimeter release of this um, I think it was kind of ambitious because you're in that weird period of time where a lot of cinemas started to embrace digital, you know, and it's that weird sort of ground where, you know, a lot of places were still showing 35 millimeter prints, but then digital presentations were really starting to make a come like uh, coming into play. And I think there was luckily enough places. So this was shown in 70 millimeter on release at certain places, but. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We never got the 70 millimeter print at the cinema, though. I, as far as I know, I don't ever remember. No, we played the, it. Did we show the master in 70? I thought it was always we 35. You know, actually, maybe yeah. it was just 35. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right, actually. I don't remember ever doing it. So I know, I know I've seen it on film, but yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't say if it was 70. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I'm not sure. One of those weird ones. Yeah. Like, um, ask Paul. Shut up, Paul. Shut up, Paul. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I've been there, like, since we've started doing 70. Like, I was already at the cinema when we started doing it again. Because I guess back mm-hmm. in the day, they would have done it. But, like, yeah, I was there when they put the new projector projector in. The new old projector. Um, and, yeah, like, I don't recall ever doing the master. We've done Phantom Thread. Um, but yeah. Oh, no, I, th- I think we have. Because I just Googled Master 70mm. And there's a YouTube video from the Prince Charles Cinema. Okay, from maybe. 2015, yeah. saying the master a 70 millimeter engagement. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe so. we have. Maybe so. I was there during that time. I just don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I wasn't there. But yeah, it's one of those prints that's definitely out there. I mean, there was a few times there was like that would have been one of those newer prints, so it would have been fine. But there was a few of those. Prints early on, oh my god, like the thing. Oh, it was one of our first like 70 millimeter things, and the print was fucking pink. It was just pink. Oh, it sucked. Okay. Like, you know. It's like the warrior print we fucking yeah. have. At least that one's just like that's an original 35 millimeter print. And it's like we have yeah. it on the website. It's like this is an old ass print. <laughs> like, you know, it's gonna look shit probably. 
Yeah. It's just that weird time period for certain films in the 80s that were like uh, this film stock they were using, like colors just all fade. It's just basically pink at a certain time. It's really strange. Mm. Uh, the Master was officially released in September of 2012, and it set the single day record for art house films, grossing $242,127 at five theaters on its opening day. The film would go on to make $28.3 million on a $32 million budget. So it was considered to be a bit of a box office bomb in its initial release. But fucking bullshit. That's why I never take money yeah. seriously. If the master can bomb, there's no justice in the world. Yeah, but it is <laughs> obviously one of the most critically acclaimed films from the past decade. So it's done well. Um, there was lots of praise for Joaquin Phoenix and Philip Seymour Hoffman, obviously. Lots of praise for PTA's directing and Johnny Greenwood's score. Lots of praise for the cinematography. So, yeah, the film was loved by critics. Um, and I guess just select audiences, which is PTA in a nutshell. So yeah, uh, the film would find itself near the top of many year in lists, just like the last one. There will be blood, lots of top 10, uh, placings. The film won the silver lion for best director for Paul Thomas Anderson and the Volpe cup, uh, for best actor given to both Joaquin Phoenix and Philip Seymour Hoffman at the 69th Venice film festival. And Joaquin Phoenix and Philip Seymour Hoffman and Amy Adams were all nominated for Oscars, but neither one of them won. Which is crazy. Especially Philip Seymour Hoffman and Joaquin Phoenix. It's like, yeah, come on. Really? What what won that year? Uh, With the Daniel Day? Daniel. And something, Day. something else? Would that have been the 2013? 2013. 2013 Oscars. Tell me, yo, computer, tell me who won. Who <laughs> did? Dude, no lie. Daniel Day Lewis. <laughs> won. He? he won for Lincoln, for? dude. I didn't realize oh, he won for Lincoln. Come on. That's crazy. You know, there are some people that like never get an Oscar and they get it for something they don't deserve. And then some people that just get it for everything they do. And it's like, come on. Yeah. Like Daniel Day Lewis, yeah, of course he's fine in Lincoln. Daniel Day Lewis, he can't be bad in it. But it's like, it's not <laughs> Daniel Plainview and it's not as good as anything in the master. Yeah. Uh, supporting actor so for uh, Philip Philip Seymour Hoffman as Lancaster Dodd lost to Christoph Waltz in Django Unchained as Dr. King Schultz. Yeah, that's a hard one too. Could that with like no? I'm thinking of Inglourious Bastards. He's better than he win for Inglourious Bastards. Then yeah, give him for that one. Yeah. God damn, Oscar um, can't do shit. Supporting actress that year. All right. So Amy Adams as Peggy Dodd lost to Anne Hathaway in Les Mis. Fuck off. No, Amy <laughs> Adams. Wait, Anne Hathaway's literally crying for an Oscar? No. <laughs> Come on. Out of my face. Uh, all right. Well, there was a lot of praise for this film, obviously. Um, Paul Thomas Anderson, I, I promised we're, we're wrapping up here. I promised that uh, we would hear from Tom Cruise again because. Yeah. All right. So Paul Thomas what Anderson, does he think? he's acknowledged that, that L. Ron Hubbard of the Church and Scientology served as partial basis for the character of Lancaster Dodd and his cult, The Cause. This revelation sparked much discussion in the press as the Church of Scientology has a long history of litigation against critics of Hubbard. They're of well course. known. We've joked about it that we're going to get fucking 
you know, heat from Scientology, which we're going to get followed home and yeah, filmed. Sure. Whatever. At the people with cr- cameras and the show up at the cinema. I'll just bark at them. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to throw my empty can of Jack and Coke at them. At the press conference for the world's premiere at the uh, Venice Film Festival. For this film, Paul Thomas Anderson reported that he had screened the film for Tom Cruise out of respect, but that Cruise and Anderson remained friends and any discussions between them would remain private. And the church released no official comment on the film. I think he played it very smart. But I did read, and I don't know how true this is, it was also reported that Paul Thomas Anderson has claimed that when he screened the film for his friend Tom Cruise, an outspoken Scientology advocate, that Cruise erupted with anger, specifically objecting to the scenes where Lancaster's, uh, Lancaster Dodd's son, Val, played by Jesse Plemons, mm. Fat Damon, admits, <laughs> admits that uh, Dodd made up the tenets of the cause, which parallels real-life emissions by Hubbard's son. And mm-hmm. Anderson has admitted that the heated exchange between him and Tom Cruise, yeah, basically, like, happened, but he kept a lot of their details private in the yeah, outcome. Yeah, as you would. Yeah, I mean, it was going to happen. I'd, uh, I would love the idea of Tom Cruise being cool with it. Like, like, all right, man, well, that's your take on it, and it's a good movie, you know, and we're still friends, not just like, no, that's not true. What no, did he think would happen, wrong. though? PTA, really? Like, Yeah, he's not making fucking Battlefield Earth. Yeah. The fucking Travolta movie. Yeah. Although I'd love to see a PTA version of that. <laughs> I mean, but like, what did he think would One happen day. when he's showing this film of like, it's clearly like a riff on Scientology, like calm. And on. a very critical riff yeah. of that. Uh, I don't know. Or well, as long as they're friends. Yeah. Well, who cares if the box office or Phil or myself <laughs> or any of you guys I can't. like this film or not? <laughs> PTA considers it to be his favorite film that he's ever made. So the, PTA is right. Go. Great mind. And that's all that matters at the end of the day. Whether you love someone or hate someone, uh, you know, it's nice for someone to feel fulfilled of, especially in a creative field, uh, of something they've done and if they've done a lot of things. Um, yeah. Like, you know, that's been loved or hated or respected or like largely forgotten or whatever. Just being in a position as a creative person to like be like, ah, that's my favorite thing I've ever done. That's like a nice feeling. And, uh, that nice feeling. You know, like, you know, at the him. end of the day, a lot of people don't think of it like that, but you should. A filmmaker, a musician, any sort of artist at the end of the day is making that thing for themselves. Yeah. You obviously want as many people to like it and hear it and look at it as possible. But the only person that really has to live with it is you. Because mm-hmm. most people watch movies and then forget about them. But you have to live with, you know, I made this thing. Yeah. So as long as you're happy with it, fuck what other people think. And I'm very happy that PTA <laughs> made the master. <laughs> hey. hey. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is it. That is the master. It was a good film, man. It. I it's one of those yeah, I feel like I, I uh I really liked it. I'm glad I finally saw it. And I feel like it's something I want to see a few more times over the years and like come back to come it back in to a it. year, see how yeah. you feel. Like cause yeah. I think it's one of those that will really grow on me. Um 
Speaking of which, our next time we're going to be talking about our little boy, Paul Thomas Anderson. He's only been a few years later. It's only only a couple. It's not like... Yeah, not, no big gap. No big time. gap. Not five years. It's only a couple years. Uh, we're going to be talking about... Hey, he got into a stage. We'll talk about it next time. But, you know, during that weird period of time where this film wasn't getting made, he got like into a weird period of time. He was really into Tom's pension. And yeah, we're going to be talking about a druggy, a druggy yeah, movie, a drug fueled film uh, with our boy Joaquin Phoenix back in the lead. You know what I'm going to do for tonight time? Smokes. We smoke a J, <laughs> smoke a bowl. Inherent vice, but hey, next week we're back with our boy Wes Anderson. And Phil and I are just trying to figure it out because we haven't figured it out. We haven't really figured it out. But I think what we're going to do next week is a double dose of Wes Anderson's animation because he he just had to do it. He just had to go make two stop motion animation films. So we're going to have a quick dive into both films, and they'll be Mm -hmm. like one long form episode. I believe that's what we're going to do because. Basically, we're trying to make this even, and I feel like I'd rather end the season with us talking about Phantom Thread versus uh, Grand, Budapest? Grand Budapest instead of Phantom Thread. But we're going to come back to it Isle in a Dogs. few months because they'll both yeah. have new films True. that will definitely show. True. And I know that fucks up everything, but hey, we didn't really actually talk about Part 8, so part eight. we owe... That, that, that much to just give period. a bullshit like where and also I mean come on do you really want to have the master go against Fantastic Mr. Fox like come on that's not even fair just it's give give him two movies to try to compete against the master okay and neither will do it, and neither will do it. Him, we can yeah, go ahead and say it. it's not going to happen but maybe Fuck. I haven't seen either of those two films so Next week, one of them's all right. I'm gonna go out of my way <laughs> to watch two animated films, and we'll, we'll uh, and yeah, uh, we'll uh, we'll be there. But hey, ladies and gentlemen, before we let you go, we've already joked about it earlier. Go to patreoncom pcc podcast. As of the time of this episode's gone out, hopefully I would have already edited. There's a bonus episode. <laughs> Phil and I, we did a we did a Space Jam episode back when we were we jammed. We, we, jammed. we jammed that jam when we were doing we our 1996 to 2001. We were just going back and forth for a while. Space Jam was one of those films, and we said, "Reboot Moon, we'll do Space Jam: A New Legacy." We'll come. <sighs> we did it, and we finally did it, and it's going to be over there on Patreon for five dollar and up backers. I'll say this much. It's not as good as the moth. <laughs> 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 well, ladies and gentlemen, you can find us as always at the PCC podcast on Twitter and Instagram, or you can pop us an email at podcast at prince You can find me specifically at tall for all T A L L the number four A L L on Twitter and Instagram. If you give a shit about music, I have a band too. Maybe I'll start doing more music soon. Phil, where can band. people find you? Uh, I'm at Faraway Third on Twitter and in real life. And, you know, I'm at the cinema. If you see me, say hi. Yeah. Did you see Unless Will? You like- Will? Will? Did you see Will no. at the All-Nighter? I think he was he was at the no. John Carpenter one, I think. No, he's lying. Will? Why didn't you... <laughs> Will? Why didn't you go say hi to he didn't Phil? Say nothing. Phil, I was in the office most yeah, of the time. True. To be fair, watching OSW. <laughs> no, I mean, I was working. Will probably appreciate Working the whole night. All right. And then I'm blocking a toilet. Yeah. 
Love so life. PCC for a toilet. That's to be classic PCC. I think that was the last all-nighter I did was the toilets were flooded. <laughs> and you were like, I'm done. Fuck this. I wiped my hands <laughs> of this bullshit. Yeah. I'm going into podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you next week with some animated bullshit. See you then. Bye. This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Copa Connections, A Droop Town Limery Maine, franchise and many more to come our shows are all presented ad free and made possible by listeners like you please support our shows by subscribing leaving ratings and reviews and becoming patrons at patreon.com if you'd like to learn more about breadcrumbs head over to breadcrumbscollective.com breadcrumbs it's more than a podcast network it's family